Hello and welcome, or welcome back if you're a regular listener, to the ISBA BursaCast podcast. This podcast is here to bring you the very latest on operational and regulatory issues impacting independent schools today. This episode has been released on the 7th of September, so hopefully term has started and we're back to it. This episode is going to be a relatively short one. We had a longer episode that, if you missed it, I recommend it, that we released on Tuesday, which was technically a Friday special, but released on Tuesday due to the urgency of the information that we wanted to get out. And that was on the issue of rack concrete and the perhaps entwined issue of asbestos as well. So if you haven't listened to that, highly recommend doing so. Really great information from Harrison Clark Rickabees there. This episode is going to be a quick fire through the latest updates to the sector and we'll start off with letting you know that the DFE has published information on how to identify reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete or rack and what responsible bodies and education settings must do if it is confirmed in their buildings. So head to the DFE for that. As mentioned, we released a Tuesday special of the ISBA BursaCast that discusses the issue in detail. So please do have a look at that if you haven't yet. There is also an accompanying ISBA how-to guide specifically for our sector. Please do email advice team at the isba.org.uk if you have any questions or require clarification. One thing that should be noted is there have been two instances of independent schools that have recently identified RAC issues, so it is there, it is prevalent. Keep an eye out for it. Moving on, we'd like to give thanks to Farrah & Co and Harrison Clark Rickabees who have worked with us to produce a comprehensive compliance FAQ, which is designed to replace the ISI commentary, which was withdrawn at the beginning of this month. The document is designed to be dynamic and help schools prepare for the new inspection framework, which is now in force. And it also appears in ISBA's inspection app, which is currently undergoing testing and will be released to members shortly. Note also that ISBA is running three webinars on inspections which will be of use to members. These take place on the 22nd of September from 11 till 12, preparing for an inspection under the new framework, the 3rd of October from 2 until 3, Inspections Framework 2023 Update Part 1, and this is followed by Part 2, which is also from 2 till 3, and that is on the 6th of October. You can book a place on any or all of these webinars via the ISBA website. Moving on, the SPPA, or the Scottish Public Pensions Agency, has consulted on a phased withdrawal for independent schools from the Scottish Teachers' Pension Scheme during 2022. Following the consultation, the option of phased withdrawal will be implemented with an effective date of the 16th of August. Now for some news from the ISC. The ISC's economic impact tool is powerful not just in allowing schools to determine their own contribution to the local and national economy, but also in allowing the sector to make arguments about combined economic impact across a constituency, council area or region. This can only be done if the individual schools report your results centrally to ISC through their link. This can be found in the latest bulletin. There is no other method for ISC to produce composite impact data. It should be noted that data submitted to ISC will be treated in strict confidence and will only be used in aggregate with other schools in your local area. Importantly, the data you submit is not commercially sensitive. It is impossible to use the results of the economic impact tool to back-calculate operational data about the school. 
because the results include direct, indirect, and induced economic data. They do not directly reveal any data on the school's operation and will only be used in relation to ISC's campaign on the VAT slash tax changes proposal. So please do get involved with that. On a similar note, at a local level, the role of schools is key and the ISC is encouraging schools to make contact with your MP, councillors and candidates. I've collated some of the most important points from this week's commentary. The ISC offers support for local lobbying with guidance available from the Public Affairs Officer Matthew Dent. Valuable resources such as template letters and local economic impact tools are available in the ISC member zone. The economic impact tool helps quantify the positive contributions school make to their local communities. Engaging with local politicians and inviting them to your school is an effective way to demonstrate the impact of tax changes and highlight public benefit work. The ISC emphasises maintaining a respectful tone when contesting specific policies rather than opposing political parties. The ISC's political strategy is developed in collaboration with member associations for a sector-wide approach. Schools will receive contact details for their MPs, local councillors and 2024 constituency candidates from the ISC. The ISC also encourages schools to inform their associations and Matthew at ISC about conversations with local politicians to gather intelligence centrally. The ISC will promote cross-sector collaborations benefits for teaching, learning and local community, especially during ISC's Partnership Week, which is starting on the 26th of November 2023. Schools are encouraged to share their case studies with the hashtag Power of Partnerships on social media. And finally, the ISC welcomes Oliver Blonde as the new CEO of the School Partnerships Alliance, emphasising his pivotal role in promoting partnership work. And that is the end of the updates for this week. We'll just go over some of the advice and guidance queries and answers for this week. The first of which is... I have a third-party instructor who will be giving drama classes to students and will be in school four times a month. The school initiated her DBS application as she was not on the update service. The DBS results have not yet come through. We do have all other checks completed for her. Would she still be able to come on site since it is four times in a month? Can we risk assess this? Well... If the DBS has been applied for and all other checks are complete, including a barred list check, then do produce a risk assessment and review it every week until the DBS certificate is presented for checking. Note that in Kixie, paragraph 247 refers to where a college or school allows an individual to start work in regulated activity relating to children before the DBS certificate is available. It should ensure that the individual is appropriately supervised and that they carry out all other checks, including a separate children's barred list check. And a risk assessment should outline mitigating factors, such as appropriate supervision. For information, and with the sad demise of the ISI commentary, as mentioned earlier, the ISBA has put together a compliance FAQ, which has been updated and has a range of FAQs related to the SCR, which you may find useful. Question 2. Please can you advise whether the draft Terrorism Protection of Premises Bill, also known as Martin's Law, will affect independent schools? Yes, is the short answer. Please see the article in the summer issue of ISBA's Bursa's Review. 
which is page 42, specifically for schools. Farrah and Co. also have produced a useful update, and Martin's Law will also feature in the keynote of ISBA's forthcoming Estates and Health and Safety Conference in London. ISBA members can book a place via their website. And the final question for this week is, we have had a few parents ask to see the pupil reference sent to their prospective senior schools. Do we need to do this? Well, the following should help, and this is taken from the ISPA Reference Library, document 41, and it is good practice to mark all references as confidential, and this means the reference can remain so. A good rule of thumb, though, is of course for the data shared to be factual, and any opinions or references made by the person providing the information to be limited to the precise and legitimate purposes of the share, in this case, for purposes of education. In other words, if the reference is not confidentially marked, they would be happy to stand behind their written word. The school is also not required to disclose any pupil examination scripts or other information consisting solely of pupil test answers, potentially including in mock exam scripts or other types of exams or tests used to assess performance. Although markers' comments may still be disclosable if they constitute pupil personal data. The school is also not required to provide examination or other test marks ahead of their ordinary publication date, nor share any confidential reference held by the school that was or will be given for the purposes of the education, training appointment or employment of any individual. If you head to the bulletin, there is a link to another useful reference to be found in the library there. And to round off those questions, let's have ISBA's top tip of the week, which is on the subject of how to check that an internet provider is registered with the Internet Watch Foundation, or IWF. The IWF has said that all those who filter into schools who are members of the IWF are listed on their member page. So have a look at that if you're at all unsure. Well, that is all of the information I'm going to fire out at you for this episode, but I will just let you know very quickly about ISBA's one-day conferences that are coming up. The first of which is coming up on the 28th of September and is the Health and Safety and Estates Conference, of course, at BMA House in London. Programme and booking information can be found via the ISBA's bulletin. And the next one after that is the 1st of November, and this is the HR Conference, also BMA House, London. Again, programme and booking information can be found on our website. And a little save the date for those of you who are part of the finance teams or just want to come learn about the finance goings-on of a bursar's role. The finance conference will take place on the 8th of February at BMA House in London, so please do save that date. And lest we forget, there is a fantastic webinar schedule coming up, the first of which is on the 14th of September from 2 until 3, and this is on introducing a fees in advance scheme how to get it right. This is followed on the 15th September from 11 till 12, Digital Strategy for Transformational Times. Following the Transformational Times webinar, there is another one on the 19th of September from 11 till 12.30. This is on Managing Investigations. Followed by that, we have a double whammy on the 22nd of September, the first from 11 till 12 on Preparing for an Inspection under the New Framework, and then from 2 until 3, the Parent Contract Update. So lots and lots of opportunities to learn more things. That is all I'll go over today. There are loads more coming up, but there's no point letting you know this far in advance, I don't think. So that'll be it. The other final thing to say is the Safeguarding Programme, which is culture and compliance, 
and is a series of six online one-hour sessions. The presenter is Sarah McKim, former head of legal and policy at ISI. So well worth diving into that. Head to the ISBA website for details of that. With all of this taken care of, we'll leave it there for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you found it useful. As always, please do share it with members of your team if you think they'll find it useful. Please make sure to subscribe wherever it is you're listening so you never miss an update. We do sometimes release episodes out of order, so to speak, in order to get information to you live, as it were. So please do subscribe to not miss those key updates. Otherwise, please do get in touch, podcast at the isba.org.uk to say hello, suggest topics, whatever you'd like to do. We're here for you. That'll be all from me. Till next time, farewell. Farewell.